hey, sometimes, sometimes you got shit to do and you just got to get it done. Dad Corner. Woodworking. Barbecuing. Beating the little one. <laughs> wait, wait, the kid? Uh, who knows? The little oh, one. Who knows? <laughs> What has four wheels and flies? What? Hmm. A garbage truck. Oh. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so dope. <laughs> oh, I like that one. I was wondering where we were going with that. Yeah, I was that like, was magic good. school bus? Now that doesn't work. <laughs> I guess that could work, but no, it didn't work for the joke. All right, boys. Well, we're back. Uh, welcome back to Dads on Dayquil. This is episode three. We've made it. Three Pete, baby. I'm Jordan, a.k.a. The Gnome. Josh, a.k.a. The Dome. I'm AJ, a.k.a. The Stoned. How you doing today, boys? Fantastic. Doing great. Beautiful. Got this sunburn, and I am hot as hell. I'm cooking, but we going, baby. Excellent. I'm a little bit, uh, I got a regular shirt so you can't see it. I had a tank top on earlier, but I'm a little toasty. I got, actually, that leads us right into our uh, dad stories for the last week. Mine actually happened, like, two hours ago. So, (laughs) I'm sitting there, and, uh napping you know i got up at like 5 30 this morning I, I don't know why i got up so early like i was excited for something I, I don't know maybe the podcast um but anyway i get up go to the grocery store at like six you know do my thing elias and i go outside we wash summer's car we wash my car um we're like starving I look up at the clock it's like 11 o'clock i'm like holy crap all right well whatever so I sit there and uh, we eat some food and then I'm like, I'm going to take a little nap and a little self-love for a little bit. So I'm napping and I go to change positions on the couch and it was like one of those little quick transitions and I hear some in the background going on. So um, I check it out and listen. Now I'm awake. I got a solid hour, but I can't complain, but I'm awake and Summer's over there, John and Elias, because you know video games are life and so when you come into the room of a kid playing video games their natural reaction is to be like (laughs) turn into this like monster you know and and mind you he's on the he's on the verge of changing at his age anyway so it's just extra hormonal so i get up and i'm like all right well you're done with the switch you're done with the tv you're coming outside so we go down and and hose the back patio off and (laughs) this kid's so my kid genetics are a funny thing so you know some people you get hurt and you're just like oh gosh dang it or peter griffin it for five minutes and grab your knee and yeah <sighs> so not me when i get hurt i get pissed and i want to break stuff right well apparently that's a genetic pass on so i'm washing down a uh, a chair outside and i can hear this ah and i look over and he must have he goes to push this metal chair. He must have come within a quarter of an inch of the big window right into the living room. And it was one of those like slow motions, like if that window cracks, he's going through it. <laughs> you just <laughs> like fully it. dad calculated that scenario. Oh. oh my God, I got so scared. And then, you know, it threw him a little bit of a hissy tantrum towards him. And then we got over it and we finished cleaning the chairs and the, and the mats that are on the chairs and the tables and all that stuff. And and we moved on, and now now we're good. We're we're rolling. Uh, AJ, what do you got? You got a story? That actually kind of segues pretty good. I got I got two small stories. Um, I I was over at my grandma's house, and I had Avery with me, 
and we'd cook dinner and um, we had her in her uh, high chair, uh, grandma's old high chair from when she was a kid. And so awesome. this thing's like, this thing's really, really cool. I think her dad had built it or something. And it's just so, it's so cool to see this thing, the ingenuity of this thing from like 80 years ago, like 60, 80 years ago. It was just it, at least 80 probably. Yeah, like it's so cool. And I put her in there, chopped her up some peaches, some green beans, got her some meat. And she, sometimes she goes back and forth about wanting to be in the chair. You know, kids are just like all over the place, especially yeah. being her age and 19 months old. So she's like, you know, like I'm, I'm doing this, but she really wants to learn how to use forks and spoons. And she's doing really well. And I give her her plate and I'm like, you know, do you want to eat this without it? And she's like, no, no. And she starts going eh, and just like reaching and she's pointing at my fork. And I was like, okay, oh, no, I don't want to get you this big one. Let me go get you a plastic one. And so I go get a plastic fork, plastic, uh, plastic spoon, and she eats most of her plate. And she's like, she's like, pow. And we taught her that that's Hawaiian. It means done. And she like waves her hands. She goes, pow. And so we uh, pulled her off, like pull off the tray and I pulled her out. And she's like, up, up. And she like claps her hands together. And it means like, you know, pick me up. And she wants to sit on my lap and kind of pick at what I'm eating at. And so she's picking at it a little bit and she like goes to reach for her plate and she pulls it over and she's eating little pieces off it. And there's like probably like half a plate left. There's a bunch of pieces of peaches and some beans left and she ate all the meat that was on it. She's like, all right, pal. So I put her down and she grabs her plate. And part of me was like, don't grab the plate because you're going to drop it. And part of me was like, maybe she's going to go throw it in the trash because she knows how to throw trash. I'm like, okay. Throw trash, Avery. She See goes, where throw this trash. Goes. Throw trash. <laughs> and she waddles behind me and goes the opposite direction of the trash oh, can nice. and goes in front of the chair and just looks at me and goes, oops. <laughs> and just like tilts the plate over and just all on the Everywhere. ground. And I was like, oh, you. So I was like, Avery Rose, you. Mm, that's not nice. Why would you put that on the ground? She just looks at me and goes, uh oh and just looks at it and i was like pick it up and throw trash please and her wheels are spinning they are spinning in her mind she's she's doing every trash calculation. yeah this is this is the baby calculations of how much can i get away with it's, like do exactly, i want to push she, it all the way exactly she yeah. knows what trash is she throws things in the trash all the time and she's doing those calculations and she's like maybe i'll just have dad do it and just like walks away and i was like I'm going to deal with you after I deal with this. I'm going to put you in timeout. And then I was like, no, I'm going to put her in timeout first. And then I'm going to clean it up so she knows why she's in timeout. So I put her in timeout, and she's just sitting there on the couch staring at me. And I'm cleaning it up, and I clean up the floor. And she's just staring at me, just, like, figuring out what had happened. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, go give Grandma a hug because, you know, she she works a l really, really hard to maintain a very clean house. So she gives her a hug, and I was like, "Now give Daddy a hug." Because I don't eat like off that floor. Exactly, you can really <laughs> eat off the floor of my grandma's house. She like toothbrush cleans that whole thing, and so I was like, "Give me a hug," because I don't like putting you in time. I don't like get ma getting mad at you and getting after you. And she gives me a hug, and she gives me a kiss, you know, and she fist bumps, and we're good to go. And that was just a pure loving dad moment. But she just looked at me and was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> off the plate and yeah. i was like "Ooh, <laughs> you testy little girl you testy and my second small story um real quick before you go on your second story mm -hmm. isn't it weird how now that we're older and we're like is there something we could get away with doing where we could get sent to timeout yeah we want to be in like, timeout cherish yeah. cherish your timeout kid you don't understand one day you have to just deal with things head on and you don't get a timeout yeah 
anyway yeah, yeah. go ahead <laughs> and uh, uh so my second story i uh i've been on a um uh, a health kick and i've been really looking at the way i've been eating and not working out and i've been making a lot of life changes and so i've been walking a lot and on uh y- yesterday i walked seven miles i walked from my grandma's house to my house and i walked in my van's slip-ons and they were Ugh. not good to walk in for Terrible. seven miles no. I'm glad to know I can walk that far, but oh my God, the bottom of my foot has a blister the size of almost a quarter. Oof. Like it's about a nickel right now and it hurts and it's not too bad, but I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. And my sh- other shoes were in the garage packed away and I'm like, I need some new running shoes. Those ones are old anyway. So I'm walking into Coles and it's really, really hot and I'm sunburned and I'm just sweating and I'm like, man, I just want to get in and out of here real fast. And I go inside and the lady's right there and she's like, do you have your mask? Oh, you have your mask on. All right, cool. Hey, just to let you know, we have no fitting rooms right now. Um, It's, you know, please don't try anything on. We're extending our merchandise to six months. And I was like, I got to try on my shoes. Can I try on my shoes? And she's like, oh, yeah, you can try on shoes. There's no problem. Just no fitting rooms. I was like, oh, thank God. I want to go home. We don't, put we don't care about your dirty ass. <laughs> yeah. no, we, we didn't say you couldn't try on clothes. You just have to do it out in the public. You yeah, exactly. can't do it in the room. And, <laughs> and it was funny because she was like, okay, go and try on shoes. And then she looked right down at my feet and saw that I was wearing flip-flops with no socks on. And I immediately pulled out the socks out of my pocket and I go, no need to ask. <laughs> I came prepared, but I didn't want to wear real shoes. And she starts laughing, and she's like, okay, I got you. That's fantastic. I'm not a, I'm not a piece move. of garbage, trust me. That was such so, a dad so, move. So, right? <laughs> Strong dad move right there. So I go over to the, the, the um, athletic wear section. I'm looking, and I'm like, okay, where do I start? You know, I haven't bought a new pair of, a new pair of running shoes in a long time. Then I was like, you know what? I'm a dad now. I should get excited about buying some dad shoes. All right, let's go. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. So I'm looking through and looking through and, you know, I see the the Adidas and I see the Nikes and I see the Pumas and I'm like, you know, I I really don't like that name brand stuff because it's it's just not for me. It's too expensive. I want something that's just middle, middle of the road and it'll get me through. I'm, I'm no, I'm no, I'm not picky about it. Like, I'm like, all right, what do we got here? And I see these Fila's, and I'm like, okay, these look like some nice shoes. And they have a tag on it, and it says wide shoe. And I have some Fred Flintstone feet. Like, my feet are super fucking wide. <laughs> so it's been a struggle all my life to really find some comfortable shoes because my shoes are just so snug and tucked in there from being so wide. And I saw That's these. because you won't, you won't, you'll never touch the end where your toes go, but you're going to stretch I'm the gonna sides. I'm going to stretch you know the what I'm shit saying? out the sides. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And I saw a blue pair. It's like blue, black, and gray. And I was like, you know what? I love this color scheme. I'm already going to wear it with my cargo shorts, my fanny pack. I'm living on, I'm planning on my life right now with this. So I go over and I take them out. I sit down and I put my socks on and I put the shoes on and instantly just click. And I was like, transported to the front yard mowing the lawn. Exactly. I imagined myself walking in the gap with my kids and they're like, do we have to be seen out in public with what are these? And also uh, your fucking fanny pack. And I'm like, yes, you want me to buy you clothes? Of course. And I was just so excited. And I instantly thought of my mom and my mom was like, always when we were kids, how fast can you run? She always said that to us whenever we put on a new pair of shoes, go see how fast you can run. That's instantly what I thought about. How fast could I run? 
And I took two steps and turns out it was pretty slow. <laughs> I took two steps and tripped because there's a big ass wire attached to the shoes. So I grabbed onto the shelf and a couple of boxes came off and I was like, nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing funny. to see here. If you run as fast as you eat, we're in for a long afternoon. Oh, geez. Exactly. And so I put these shoes back and nobody was there to see it. I was like, thank God. And uh, so I, I went back over and I was like, yeah, these shoes are good. They're fine. They're good. And I, um, and I, I've got uh, my wife some shoes and I got my son some shoes. And I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's hobble on over. Let's get some underwear. All right, let's go out to the self-checkout line. And there was nobody in line but the cashier had went to, had went to lunch. And there was one customer service rep that was up taking people. And she was like, she, you know the movie Zootopia? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. She literally was the sloth of the DMV. And I was oh, sitting they, I was sitting there have... just like my arms are getting tired and these are these are not that heavy. I've been standing here for a while. I just want to wear these shoes. That's all I can Which think of. Which is why you're starting to work out yeah. because you're a bitch. Exactly. Uh, exactly. They have self-checkout at Kohl's now? No. No. No, I was going to say when you said that I was like, oh, since when?" I wish I mean, they had self-checkout. The, I live in the boonies, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So all right, right to you, Josh. I actually uh, don't really have a dad story this weekend. I was alone, which was kind of nice. So uh, we went to a softball tournament, me and a bunch of guys. Uh, we left town about four hours out of where we live, a beautiful place called Page, Arizona. And it was amazing, though, because it was really nice to just get away. I didn't have any kids running around. I didn't have anybody else to kind of think about and and really worry, uh, you know, where is this at? Where is that at? Who am I feeding? Who am I not feeding? Who's happy? Who's not happy? You know, Um, so that was kind of good to kind of get away and clear my head a little bit. And uh, but inherently, no dad story this week. Well, you know, that's okay because you got to you got to be yourself. You got to be who you're going to be. And sometimes being who you were going to be, you got to step back and take some me time. And I mean, it sounds selfish, but you have to. And I I actually got a quote here to to lead us into our next topic. You are not your illness. You have an individual story to tell. You have a name, a history, a personality. Staying yourself is part of the battle. That's a a quote by Julian Seifert. Seifer? I don't know. I'm going to butcher that name. It's all right. But that's going to bring us in our... uh, yeah, fuck you, Julian. Um, I, <laughs> like quote, anyway. I like the quote, though. I like the quote. Yeah. I like the quote. Or she. Yeah, he or know. she's never listened. Anyway, we're fine. Um, but that's going to bring us into our, our topic. Let's. Uh, we're gonna. We've been funny. We've had a, two episodes now, and ruckus and laughter. And we're gonna continue with that in a little bit. But we're gonna break it down because sometimes being a dad, being a mom, being a kid, a brother and aunt, it doesn't matter who you are. Life gets hard things get hard and we have to be there for one another and pick each other up and and make sure that everybody's doing okay you know send a text message occasionally you haven't talked to somebody in a while just send them a text hey how you doing what's going on what's new with you just you, you never know who's facing a battle on the inside unless they come out and tell you or unless you force it you know and and conversation is a good thing and it's not easy to talk about things all the time but it's the only thing you got to do sometimes you just got to let it out and move on because it's you build it up inside and you become a ticking time bomb and and that's just not okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna start the mental illness and throw it over to aj and and let you take the reins buddy go ahead so um like i said before i have been uh self-reflecting a lot lately and 
definitely a big part of my health is making sure I take care of my mental health. And I think that's really important for anybody because it was it was something that I had been neglecting for a long time. And it was something that I really, really believed and thought that I could take care of myself. But what I'm learning and realizing is that, you know, not all battles can be fought on your own. And it's okay. Absolutely. It's okay to seek help and talk with people. You know, and, and a big part of that came from fear. A big part of that was just, you know, feeling ashamed and didn't feel like I could reach out and ask for help and admit. A big part dealing with your mental health is admitting, hey, I have a little bit of a problem. I need some help with this. I actually think that that comes from uh, a long-standing history of how dads are supposed to be, how we're kind of groomed into this uh, bubble, this form that we're supposed to be strong mm-hmm. and we're supposed to we're supposed to stand tall and be the the backbone of well, sorry, Jordan, you really can't stand tall, but um, <laughs> the backbone of I was on two boxes of paper Ayo. for that. One. <laughs> I'm giving him a ladder next week. It's still not going to be enough. Hey, this ain't no fight. I don't need a ladder right now. But we 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 are supposed to be the the Atlas. You know, we're supposed to hold up our world. You know, our kids, our family, our wives, our house, our jobs, all that stuff. We're supposed to compartmentalize and suppress a lot of it mm-hmm. instead of getting it out you know for us it's it's always been uh you know shame the guy that's crying Mm -hmm. shame the kid that's crying in school and shame the kid that wants to talk about his emotion or shame the guy that wants to talk about his emotion and you bring up a great point that we have to get that stuff out because that stuff just eats you alive um Mm -hmm. You know, but with that comes a lot of the things that you've been doing too. You know, um, you're starting to eat better and you're starting to work out, and that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah it's what's what's crazy about working out is I need to get back on the train of working out because you can uh, you can feel mm-hmm. the difference in a day. You know, you feel good, and you know you want to flex your muscles, thinking you're gonna look like yeah. the Rock, and you look like. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, some, some scrawny little weirdo, but, or some big tub of lard, but you're working on it. And that's the point. And, and it takes time and it takes, it takes time to see results. Absolutely. And, and that's where people give up is because they want to see the results. Now they, they want the instant gratification, which is what we're caught up with in our world nowadays is you, you have to have it now. I need it now. I need to spend this money. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. You don't take a step back. It's okay. But it's amazing how working out eating right too, you know, eating right's a really, it's probably one of the most difficult things when it comes to self-help, but working out, you feel better instantly, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it carries you through. If you do it in the morning, it carries you throughout the day. If you do it at night, you had a shitty day, you get that sweat out, kind of just leave it in the dust, leave it in the past and, and move forward. And it's that like endorphin thing. It's just yeah, something yeah molecular that happens to you to do it well there there are there are actual there are things that that sit in your body um that attribute to depression um and when working out it releases it releases them through the actual activity and the sweat and everything and it allows you to have a clearer mind um which goes in hand with kind of what you said aj about talking Mm -hmm. you know and and getting it out in terms of in words um, it's good to have somebody to communicate with. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's definitely not something to be afraid mm-hmm. of. Um, your feelings and your thoughts, they're actually a lot more common than we think. Yeah, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. No, 
not not at all you know we just we again we've been trained we've been taught that we're supposed to be tough yep. we're supposed to hold it in we're supposed to hold that hold that fort down you know and um that's not the case at all you 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 mentally mentally have to be stable you have to be healthy inside your own head before you can help anybody else it's just that simple you you can't adequately take care of your family take care of your job unless you're taking care of yourself it's not selfish at all Mm -hmm. if you look at it from that standpoint you're actually doing what you're quote unquote taught to do well and it's funny like when you when you bring it up like uh you know we're groomed to be like that but what's funny is think of like football aj you played football i played Mm -hmm. football josh you played football or any sport what does your coach tell you to do leave it all on the field leave it all on the court let it all out so why is it okay to groom people to let it all out in those situations but then when it becomes your personal feelings no you need to keep those in and i'm a big i'm a big person when it comes to trying to hoard my feelings i've been better in the last several years Mm -hmm. but it's it's a difficult thing to do i mean even uh you know aj and i being being cousins uh, you know our grandpa passed away like six weeks ago mm-hmm. maybe, maybe seven weeks ago and I remember I had to pick up my son from his jujitsu class and pick him up and you know having to tell him on the way home that you know grandpa passed away and you, you know it's just natural when you're close with somebody you know we may not have been close the last couple of years but you, you know that, that guy helped raise us he taught us all how to swim as boys and yeah. he did so much for us and just nothing but love and and care and 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 help all the time and you know having to tell your son that your grandpa his great-grandpa passed away and you start crying and i remember like you know it wasn't bad like balling couldn't talk it was just you know tears rolling down my face and it's kind of dark because it was like eight o'clock at night and you know i look over as i'm talking to him and he has this like deer in the headlights look as he's looking at me because he's like dad's dad's crying you know because i don't cry in front of him normally not that it's not okay just you know whatever no reason to but you know and, and i had to tell him right there and i'm like you know he looked at me and i said yeah i'm crying and it's okay to cry it's okay to let out your emotions it's a, you do it in healthy ways it's not okay mm-hmm. to take it out with rage and anger and mm-hmm. and other things like that or eating eating your depression and stuff like that but if you got to cry because you're sad and there's reason to be sad, then cry, you know, crying because you lost your Fortnite's not a reason. But if you're truly upset at something, it's OK to cry. And we have to teach our kids as dads to be that way. And it's mm-hmm. tough. It's, it's tough because, like you said, Josh, we're expected to bear all this thing things in life and carry the weight of our family and you know nowadays it's a little different women work for a living they have great jobs they make great money they help with income they help with life it's not the 1940s where they stay at home and took care of home things and the dad literally carried all the weight it's not like that anymore but it's still the same notion of you know it's the way we're raised that you're you're the dad you're the backbone of the family you're the strong person in the family Mm -hmm. so and it and it's really on our generation being dads to change that because I'm pretty sure all three of us grew up in generations where, you know, I remember my dad telling me, you know, when I was a kid to to hold it in, you know, he, he, he's changed and he wouldn't say that now, you know, he's changed a lot, but growing up and him growing up in that old school mentality, you know, it was to hold it in. Don't let people see your vulnerability, always stay strong. And that, that just can't happen. You know, it's, it's, 
it, it it's it's not good it's not healthy it's not healthy for anybody especially you like you really have to to love yourself to love others and you have to be okay you have to be okay with letting out your emotions you have to be okay and just forgive yourself move on from stuff that's eating at you you know that's something i struggled with was stuff eating at me and i just didn't know how to release it and talking about it has definitely just been the pressure valve going straight left just straight released all of this pressure off my back and i love it and i'm a giant advocate now hey if you're out there and you feel all of these feelings and emotions just eating at you talk to somebody even if you feel you can't talk to your family about it you can't talk to your friends out of fear go and talk to somebody professionally they are not there to hurt you they are not there to seek anything against you what they're there for is to help you that is the only reason that they're there is to help you exactly be better with yourself love yourself at the end of the road do you want to reflect on your life and go crap i could have lived a much better life and not hurt the people around me by just changing one little thing talking yeah. Yeah. talking let it and, out and it's a it's a ripple effect too you know you, you kind of just touched on it is if you don't communicate if you don't open up then what do you do you sit there and you hold it you suppress it and then you start eating you you take that anxiety that you have and you place it in something else instead of even talking to yourself even just getting you know on a, on a hike talk to yourself listen to music saying those words out loud whether they're to someone or to yourself just the acknowledgement and hearing them for yourself is enough to help you get through those moments that you might be struggling with you know and and i feel like as um as something that we should recognize as humans not just dads but something we should recognize as humans is is that masks come in all different shades right like some people they they cover their pain by eating some people they cover their pain by aggression some people they they cover it by making jokes you know we should also kind of be a little more cognizant of those things those cues to say hey you know are you doing okay today i care about you just want to make sure you're okay because though that one sentence are you okay today could mean the world to somebody yeah uh, yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. And you got to check, you got to check on your healthy friends too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, like Josh and I, you know, we've known each other for what, 13 years yeah. now, something like yeah. that. Uh, you know, AJ and I, obviously I delivered the fucking kid. It's a couple years. So at, at six years old, I popped my hands right in there and said, hold on, Auntie Bobby, I got you. And I brought AJ into this world. AJ and I have known each other almost 28 years and he can call me he can cry his ass off. I could do the same. It's okay. And even with Josh, it's, you know, we've known each other for 13 years. And sometimes, you know, it's weird when you get a text because AJ and I just had this conversation recently. Everybody reads text different. Yes. But I, I know you pretty well that if you send me a text, I can kind of read it how you say it. Yeah. And so, I you know, occasionally I'll send you, you good today? Because I can just tell by your text that, I feel like you're off a little. Yeah, bit. you absolutely. And you called me out. Uh, it was about four or five days ago now. You called me out on it. And it yeah. we, we were. Uh, I was just about to get off of work, and I was super stressed out. Some things had happened, um, and uh, I, I sent you something about the podcast. We were talking kind of on and off all day, and literally, you completely ignored the question, and you were like, "Hey, dude, are you all right?" Like, and those are those cues that you know we really do 
need to pay attention to. A lot of things that I try and teach the kids that relate yep. to this actual subject are listening. You know, don't just don't just sit there and acknowledge that somebody's talking to you. You you have yep. to actually listen to the words, listen to the tones, because those are those are the things that mean something. They're, everybody's talking and everybody's saying stuff, and sometimes it is white noise, yes, but a lot of times there's meaning behind the things that people say. And if you pay attention to it, it will it will actually get you a long way in terms of friendships and life, mm-hmm. and it'll help you mm-hmm. build better bonds not only with people but actually with yourself you know mm-hmm. well and you, you stole it right right out of my mouth the next thing i was going to say is you know obviously you need to be okay with yourself and sometimes it takes a long time to let things out and that's okay but you got to let them out whether it's professionally or publicly or with a friend or even in a journal yeah. a blog anything right but the other key to that is you have to be able to listen you have to be able to help out. And even if you can't understand it, you you have to understand that people just need to talk and they just want to talk and they just want somebody to listen. That's 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 all it is, yeah. somebody to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And you may not have advice. Somebody could drop a fucking bomb on you and you're like, Speechless. Uh, exactly. what do you want me to say to that? But all, they, it's not that they need you to yep. say anything. They need to get it out. Bingo. And if you can say something and you can help them out, then by all means, do so. But if you can't, just be there to listen. Yeah. Just let them vent. Just let them know let it's going to be okay. You, know, it, yeah. you, don't ha- yeah. you don't have to actually give any type of advice on how to fix their problem. You just have to sometimes say, hey, look, it's going to be okay. No matter what happens in the next step, you're not alone. Like, I'll be here for you. I might not be here standing right next to you, but emotionally, I'll be here for you. And that's that's how we are for you, AJ. You know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of you and the strides that you've made because the first step is always, always the hardest. Getting past all the lies that you kind of tell yourself, all the ways that you trick yourself into thinking that eating unhealthy is okay and not exercising mm-hmm. is okay. There's always tomorrow, you know, um, Mm -hmm. those things getting over those little humps man they're the hardest by far staying with it you can always kind of catch your why and keep going but that first step man that first step is tough and i'm proud of you for it yeah it, it, it is tough and and sometimes you know what changing your lifestyle isn't easy because you don't have a support group sometimes or maybe you do have a support group but you have a group that's against it or not willing to help out and they may come around they may not come around Mm -hmm. but that goes back to my quote you got to be you and my mom raised me that way you be yourself for nobody else but yourself if they don't like it you lived without them before you can live without them again it may be tough it may be hard but if they're real even if they don't support you at the beginning, they'll come around. And, you know, for sure, like a big thing about mental health, that's the biggest struggle in any shape or form is fear. Being afraid of stepping up, feeling ashamed, you know, just the anxiety of what do you think people's going to going to say, going to think, going to react. But you can't you can't let that eat at you and, and kill you mentally. Because it's, you know, some people may be there for you. Some people may be like, you know, this is where I peace out. But like you said, George, if some people do decide to peace out, you lived without them before, you can live without them again. There's going to be people there for you in your corner. 
no matter what. And that's your friends, that's your family. And there's so many people in this world. There's so many people that have such big hearts, that have such open minds. You are never going to be alone. Unless you're Hitler. Then you're probably going to be alone. (laughs) Damn, even that motherfucker wasn't even alone. But listen, you always... But he was alone because he forced people. Correct. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But there's... There's so many people out there that will listen to you. And if you think you're alone, like I said, go get some professional help. It's okay. You're never alone. That's why they're there. If it wasn't okay, they wouldn't be there. Yep. But tell yourself it's okay because they are there. They're licensed professional people. Even if you don't want to talk to somebody licensed professional, whatever your fear is, let's go ahead and let's get over that fear together. We, as a world, need to understand that There is no other world in this universe, galaxy, whatever we're battling with. We're battling ourselves. Why are we battling ourselves? Why aren't we getting together and loving each other and realizing that we're on a gigantic floating rock spinning around a giant fireball in a vacuum that will suck the life out of you in a second? This is crazy. It's insane to think what our life is and where we are. But you know what? We're here. And it's short. We're doing this. Life is short. Life is too short. Enjoy it. Exactly. Enjoy your life. Love and experience as much as you can. Because like I said, you don't want to be at the end of the road and reflecting and going, you know what? If I had just done one little thing different, which I thought of at the time, I told myself no because it wasn't good. You should have just spoke up. You should have just talked. And been like, hey, this is what's going on with me. Yeah, it's okay. It starts with change. Yeah, so, you know, I guess we can can end that segment. And the last notes on it is, you know, reach out to people if you're hurting. Reach out to people if you're not hurting. Talk to people. You know, post it, uh, you know, wherever, whatever your social media be, whether it's, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. People are there to help out. People are there to listen. Um Mm-hmm. And don't judge you those. Know. And don't judge those that do reach out. No, mm-hmm. no. If you if you can't help them, you know I can't help you. If you don't want to help them, you know, I guess that's on you and on your conscience because you, you got to do whatever you can. And 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 lastly, if you need to, you can call one nine hundred mix a lot and kick them nasty thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mental illness. We've covered that. And mental illness carries right into the next thing we're going to talk about. So the sports, we're not going to cover a big section of sports, just a little piece right now. There's nothing really sports going on except for golf. They don't have fans and UFC when they go live on their fight island, which has been kind of cool. But speaking of golf, this guy Bryson DeChambeau, what a fucking monster, this guy. So I have some stats here of comparison from 2017 to 2020. So in 2017, he weighed 195. His average distance is 299.4 yards. His average accuracy, 58.3%. Um, his club head speed was 117.74. His average ball seat speed, 174.39. And his longest drive, 386. Fast forward three years to this monster. He's now 239 pounds. (laughs) Mind you, this is all muscle he's put on. His average distance went up to 321.3. 
his accuracy average went up as well with swing, with swinging harder and faster to 60.4%. His club head speed went up to 139.1 and his average ball speeds Ooh. 203 miles an hour. Ooh. And his longest drive now is 393 Oof. yards. But I think he, prior to this picture, he actually got one to go 400. <laughs> and now why am I bringing him up? <laughs> He's essentially happy and Gilmore. Men- and and mental and mental illness also the, the memorial tournament that he was just in he has missed the cut and he was inside the cut until he got to the 15th hole par 5 and Bryson DeChambeau shot a 10 oh <laughs> not a bogey not a double not a triple it's like a quintuplet bogey. He yelled at a cameraman. He <laughs> threw a club. He threw a little fit. If Phil Mickelson would have just asked, hey, Bryson, you good, bro? He would have finished that hole and moved on. But talk about a killer. What a fool. But like you said, Josh, which this will just perfectly go right into your topic here. Bryson DeChambeau is our real-life happy Gilmore right now. He can drive it a mile. He can't score well consistently. He threw a fit on camera, just like somebody else that Josh wants to spin off of. So go ahead, man. Take it over, Dom. So it's it's so funny that you brought this guy up because I was watching some movies the other day, and I realized that we have some movies that we hold in high regards wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wrong. What do you mean by wrong? So I, some of these movies that we were watching, the good guys aren't actually all that good. If you pay attention to the movie and the actions of these quote unquote <laughs> heroes or good mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. they're actually pretty terrible. <laughs> so I would like to I would like to have this week's list a list of movies in which the good guys are actually the bad guys. And just like our normal, we got a top five list. We have an argument list where we put together top fives. This is going to be five movies that we're going to break down, and the dome's going to take it over first. <laughs> Might as well start with Happy Gilmore, right? Here so, we go. Literally. Is this goal regulation size or what? <laughs> Within the first 15 minutes of this movie, it, it, it's crazy. You you have this, this guy show that he is absolutely insane. He is an a-hole who can't control his temper. He, he is a mental manipulator of his girlfriend. He's a massive slob. He clearly makes terrible choices as he sleeps with a 70-year-old minutes after he breaks up with his girlfriend. Until you said that, I thought you were talking about me for a minute. (laughs) This dude throws somebody through a window because he doesn't like the way they're taking his grandma's stuff. Yet, somehow he doesn't get arrested? Come on, the movie should have been over right there. Mista, Mista. Dude's a monster. He, he, He holds a record. For the only person to attempt to stab somebody with a skate on the hockey rink. Yeah. So let's break down a little bit more of the movie. So after he throws somebody through a window, he gets the crazy notion once he realizes that he can hit the golf ball a fucking ton. A country mile. He's like, all right, I'm just going to go to the the local driving range and I'm going to con all these these weirdos (laughs) out of their money. I'll get 270 grand. No problem. No big deal. We're on it. He gets to the amateur open. 
he assaults multiple people, causes multiple issues, and then Chubbs, when he tries to help him and give him advice, he just <laughs> insults him. And he's like, see you later, dude. I don't like you. Get out of here. I got this. I'm on my own. He gets to his first appearance on the PGA Tour, and in the clubhouse, he wants to start a frat party by tapping a keg. He gets to the golf course. He uses more profanity than a trucker on steroids. Once again, gets into multiple altercations and almost impales a cameraman with one of the flags. The only thing that saves his ass in the first part of that tour is the fact that Virginia Bennett has a desire to both grow her career and feel what he's growing, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So the next few tournaments come around. The only restraint that he shows is when Virginia's around, which is clear that he wants to get a piece. He also shows a complete disregard for the wildlife because... What does he do? He kills a crocodile with his bare hands. Come on. Yeah, like that crocodile did anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. All the crocodile did was get hit with a ball. Come on. It was his fault. Well, and and nobody on this earth eats pieces of shit like he does. Come on. It was missing an eye, so it's the alligator or crocodile that took Chubb's hand. But how do you know it's the same one? It could have been. It could have lost its eye from a gator fight. Yeah, we don't know. Exactly. You don't even know if the eye was gone. You can't even tell. So his antics then continue. Ridiculous. Right. His antics, on, his antics actually on the course bring an immense amount of disrespect to the game, which caused other an otherwise good man in Scooter McGavin, or Shooter McGavin, sorry, that was terrible. Scooter that McGavin. was terrible. How dare you butcher the I, greatest I golfer to ever set foot on some grass. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Jesus. I will, pu- I will punish myself later. It, he, causes, he causes Shooter McGavin to lose his way and get driven by jealousy. A good man. It's driven by jealousy to do terrible things. And it's all because of Happy and his antics. Then, when things get tough for Happy, and it seems like he's going to lose his grandmother's house, what does he do? He reverts back to his old ways, and he gets into a fight with the ever-so-lovable Bob Barker. Who the hell fights Bob Barker? It's Bob freaking Barker. Bob Barker is a saint. Absolutely. He, he's, he is an ageless wonder. Okay. So, once again, the dollar signs hit Virginia. She saves his ass, sees an opportunity for Happy to get some money with some advertisement, throws him in there. He sells his soul to Subway. Cut cut to when he gets to the auction, right? Shooter's there. Shooter's like, I'm going to do this guy a solid. I know he doesn't have the money. I'm going to buy his grandma's house. I'm going to get him out of golf. We'll make a deal. It'll be good. You think that's good for Happy? No. You think that's good for Virginia? No. What happens? Greed sets in. Happy then again shows that he cannot make good choices, that he is an absolute trash human being, decides to make a bet with him, right? So now Happy is desperate, has no idea how to beat him. He goes crawling back to Chubbs, who he dropped with the utmost disrespect earlier in the movie. Let me remind you, nothing but a good guy. When Chubb, <laughs> Chubbs takes him under his wing, teaches him how to play, and what does Happy do? Happy then surprises him with a gator, which ends up killing him. What a dickhole move. Really? Come on. Terrible. So then what happens? Oh, I also forgot to put in there that Happy finds his happy place. Did you ever notice what his happy place was? Yeah, it was gambling it, and drinking. It's and, a den of sins. It was yeah, sex, yeah. beer, drugs. His grandma was playing slot machines. Come on. That's not good for kids. Not at all. Set an example. Not at what all. What was Shooter doing? He was probably polishing his golf clubs, getting ready for a match. He was probably... He was practicing. You know, 
Maybe reading, maybe, maybe, maybe reading the Bible a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe making some Ovaltine. Yeah. He yeah. was doing good Helping things. Helping some children out somewhere at like an orphanage yeah. or something. Yeah, no. Yeah. So now Happy somehow wins the golden jacket, blah, blah, blah. But you'd think that it would end. The movie ends with them walking into the grandma's house, and you know what they're going to do. They're going to live there and mooch off of her. That's right. Happy's a terrible That's human right. being. That's right. And Virginia gets no credit either because she's going to move in to your boyfriend's grandma's house. Yeah. Come on. What are you, what are you guys, like 30 years old? You're, Get a life. Married. It's t- Get a life. He's, I don't understand how he's a hero. I don't get it. You know, it, it, it makes it it makes it really hard, and you you get those stories that are one offs that, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, Shooter McGavin's going to take that golden jacket. That crazy tower's not going to fall down. Which the only reason that Shooter bought that guy some Red Lobster and paid him some cash under the table, the only reason was he was trying. Which by his own mistake, he's a, such a good guy. He should have gotten down and and not gotten to the level of Happy Gilmore, but he had nothing else to do, yeah. so he stooped down to that childish level and hired some guy, which then in turn probably cost him the gold jacket. Absolutely, but and it was it was know. all because of Happy's antics. Happy couldn't just show the game and those that were playing the game the respect that was already earned. Happy was a newcomer. He he, he had right. he had no business bringing these types of crowds into golf and doing all these antics right in the club like a bull. He beat up multiple people, and the only reason why he didn't get kicked off was because of the dollar signs that these people saw. It's terrible. Yep. Exactly, and that's that's so weird that all these guys tried all their lives playing this game this way like this is the their correct way, to do way. It. one guy yeah. comes in here the correct way this one guy comes in here and all this pga sees is dollar signs and ratings and they change the whole thing for one guy how fair is that to everybody else there and like you said josh when shooter mcgavin went over and tried to tell him you need to kick this guy off the tour he is a bad influence yeah. for everybody else around yep. dollar signs that's all that guy saw in his Greed. mind was dollar yeah. Shooter signs. was trying to preserve and the now good name all these... and the good nature of the game. Yeah. The, exactly. And the only cool thing, in my opinion, about Happy Gilmore as a scum-of-the-earth person character that he was, the only cool thing was his personalized hockey putter made by Odyssey. That was pretty amazing. Th- that was pretty cool. And speaking of hockey... Josh, you got one more to cover, don't you? I do. Um, the other movie that I wanted to cover was uh, the Mighty Ducks. Uh, one, two, or three? We're gonna do. We're gonna stick with one. I, I could go into all three, but we're just gonna stick with one. And I'm gonna show the OG. You, show you a few pointers on both the kids and Gordon Bombay. So, all right, cake eater, take it over. The movie opens to Gordon Bombay using dirty tactics to win a court case, right? He, he then typical lawyer. He then only worries about his promotion, then gloating in his office, treating his coworkers like crap. He gets shot down by his boss. So what does he do? He goes out and gets drunk, gets a DUI, disrespectful to the cops when they pull him over. So you think, all right, cool. He's gonna get he's gonna get punished. You think someone like that? No. He gets mad. He gets mad when he gets punished. He doesn't take it like a man. He gets he becomes a little baby, and he and he gets upset that he was getting punished. The movie then cuts to a group of kids who are tricking a man into grabbing dog poo. These are not good kids. Good kids don't make a, a good Samaritan picking up someone's purse on the ground 
touch dog poop. These up. are kids that don't do chores. No. That no. don't respect their parents. And their parents probably aren't around. Dude, they're, they're probably the busy in, being in single moms working in a diner, not even paying attention to what your kids do. Exactly. Uh, what kind of kids are these? So then the, the guy. They're not like those hawk kids. I can tell you that. Exactly. So then the guy, Gordon Bombay, drives a limo onto the ice where these kids are playing, putting everyone's lives in danger. So What an idiot. Absolutely. Who would do that? Absolutely. So you think, all right, no big deal. The kids then turn into hooligans. They jump on the limo. They start trashing the limo. They get inside. They break inside. They start stealing the guy's candy and all this stuff. It's insane. Gordon constantly insults the kids during their first game as they show their disrespect in return and ignore any advice that he gives them. When he gets frustrated in trying to teach them how, he resorts to cheating. Instead of teaching them how to play, he teaches them how to take falls. Is not the sign of of a good man. Of course he does. So, and you cut to Hans, the only genuinely good character in this movie who tries to help Gordon by giving him great advice and a free pair of skates. What does Gordon do? Nothing. He doesn't even offer to pay for him. And all he does is he reflects on a moment with his dad, which then makes him upset that Jack Riley, his old coach, tainted these memories. And it makes him just have this insatiable desire for revenge. You can see it in his eyes. So he starts making a plan. Step one, he's like, all right, I already pissed off the kids. I got to get Charlie back because I got to regain their trust. So he goes after Charlie. But when he goes after Charlie, he kind of forces his way into the house. If you watch it again, the mom's like, no, we don't want to talk to you. You upset my kid. Get out of here. But instead, he seduces them both. Step two is he goes to his old boss and he tries to guilt and bribe Mr. Ducksworth out of 15 grand to buy the kids all new stuff. When the movie cuts to the kids, getting, not only that, Josh, he taunts him. He does. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Absolutely. Quack, quack, well, quack, quack. That comes a little okay. later, too. So the kids get into Hans's store and they trash it. These kids, no respect for anybody no else's respect. stuff. They just run in the store, they trash the store, they're buying all this stuff. You know how expensive hockey equipment is? It's expensive. It's 15 grand worth, right? Come on, kids. Come on. Come on. So then movie continues on. Gordon happens to fall upon Fulton. Not sure if anybody remembers Fulton, but there's no way that this 6'7", 250-pound man is 16 years old. Get out of I here. I want to see I want to see an identification card. Absolutely. This this reeks yeah. of the Little League World Series situation with the Brooklyn team. 100%. It reeks handwritten of, crayon. That kid was 18 years old. Yeah. There's no way he was yeah. 13. Hand, Come handwritten on. crayon birth certificate. Guarantee it. So, you get to their first game, Carp gets absolutely tatered in the dome with a shot. It dents the helmet. What does Gordon do? Gordon, so consumed with his revenge plan, he just throws him back on the bench and immediately turns to look at the clock to see how much time is left and says, okay, we got this. Let's get out there. Nobody comes to help him. You don't see any medical at all help this kid. So then Gordon happens to stumble upon the boundary change, right? And what does he do? He steals the Hawks' best player. Has no care in the world for this kid's friends, for this kid's future, what this kid wants, what's best for the kid. All he cares about is winning, and he takes that kid and snatches him from everything that he's known, all the hard work that he put in with that team, gone, done. He's a, he's a hawk. He belongs as a hawk. 
Yeah, exactly. How, how how can you just live with yourself and just knowing that you just stole, just completely stole that child away from everything he had He's a proper for. kid. He's He belongs with the Hawks who are doing proper things, playing hockey the hard way but the correct way. He doesn't belong with these kids that are causing mayhem and ruckus Absolutely. and trouble. He respects I guarantee Adam Banks respects everything, yeah. every well, penny. While Adam Banks spent. is practicing and working hard with his team, the rest of the kids that are on the Ducks teams are getting detention in school. And then what does Gordon do? Gordon comes in, pulls a few strings, gets him out of detention just because he wants to win. Let's just go ahead and cut to the championship game. Things start off a little rough for Banks. Gordon does nothing to help protect him, just leaves him on the ice. It's clear that they're trying to get after him, but Gordon only cares about revenge. He only cares about winning, so he leaves him in. And what happens? Banksy gets hurt. Out of the game. On a stretcher. Hurt. No regard whatsoever for this kid's life or future. Again. Oh, and mind you, when he got hurt, the way the movie spun it was like that this kid took an absolute whack at him. I think what people don't realize is that one of the duck players was trying to trip up this other kid and he came over the top trying to stabilize himself, but he's, he's young. Nope. He's not as good he have on his skates as an adult yeah. NHL player. And he accidentally comes down and he just karate chops Adam Banks in the arm from behind with the stick, which was completely unintentional, Absolutely. completely well, unintentional. You think, you think that, that Gordon would be more worried about, the rest of his team and how they feel about what just happened. But instead he goes right up to coach Riley and in front of all these kids, mind you, he threatens him. He threatens him. Of course he does. Of course he does. So somehow Gordon then decides to concoct this series of illegal plays that helps the ducks win cut to the end of the movie where the ducks actually win. It's based on luck. They didn't actually have the skill. Few things happened. Charlie happened to get one by. That triple deke was weak, but whatever. But here's the kicker. Gordon then, after gloating and celebrating, he hatches this most elaborate scheme of trying out for the NFL, or NHL, sorry, to get out of being Charlie's new dad and further coaching any of the Ducks. Yeah. What a chump. It's an (laughs) ultimate scheme is to be like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and try out for this professional hockey team. I'm sorry. I can't be around to help you with your homework anymore, kid. Mm, Didn't really love your mom either. See ya. Oh, what a joke. You know, that's just depressing. I I can't believe I can't believe I spent my entire life liking that movie. You you broke it down so perfectly. Um, There's another movie. And it's not me that's going to cover it. It's the stoned AJ. What do you What do you got All for day. us? You know what I got? One movie that I loved from my childhood, and now reflecting as an adult, I went, "Whoa, there's a lot wrong with this movie." And we're letting our kids watch this. And that movie is Matilda. And I'll tell you why. I love you, Danny DeVito. I love you to death. But man. I think we really needed to rethink this movie when you shot it. This whole movie is from the perspective of a child. This entire movie is from a perspective of a child that is going to reflect on and influence our children. Now, we don't know the whole facts of the movie. We only see it from her point of view. I'll give you some examples. She thinks her 
parents going to work all day and doing this stuff. She doesn't quite understand what they're going to do. And so she's processing it in these ways that's not correct. And it's showing that our kids, oh, this is this is the way this is going on. Well, you know, maybe your mom's not going to bingo. Maybe she's going to do something else and you're just interpreting as, oh, she's going to do something more important than watching me. She could have been or working. Or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And like you're like, you know, like and and you think you're just so alone, but maybe there is somebody there and you're just you're just putting them out of your mind. And then it shows her taking care of herself and making this breakfast and she thinks it's just perfect. But what if it's not? What if it's from the parents' perspective and we look at it and we go, whoa, that's not good. You ever had your kids make you mm-hmm. food and they're that young? And they think it's perfect. It's not perfect. It's not good. We put on that face and we go, I love it so much. You know what? It's so good. I think we should save it for later. You know, let's save this for later. I'm going to scarf it all. And then you do what you got to do and you're like, you know what? This is amazing. But you know you can't eat it because it's not good. What like little three-year-old is going to make the perfect pancakes? I don't know a three-year-old is going to make the perfect pancakes. I don't know any three-year-old that makes perfect pancakes. That's crazy. It's absurd. It took me a long time to make really good pancakes. And then also, you're running away every day to go to a library that is miles and miles away. Like, you know, maybe that's on the parents. But at the same time, you know, she should not be doing this. She should be going, you know, I don't think it's good. Like running away from home all by myself all this time, going all this way. Like something should trigger and it's just not triggering. And it goes to show that she just talks her way into everything. That this this librarian is like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Where's your parents? And she talked her way out of it. And it's like, you know, that librarian just put herself in that position because Matilda didn't have to go out and do that, but she did. So now she put somebody's job on the line. And it's like, whoa, that's not good. That's not okay. You know, we shouldn't be having our kids be influenced by this little girl who's having, you know, other people put their jobs on their line because she wants to go and read some books. You know, maybe she should just go to her parents and be like, hey, can I read some books? Is that okay? You know, and another big part of this movie is that um, her perspective about her parents and her brother, you know, when we're all growing up, things are just weird. Things are strange. We don't understand a lot of this stuff. And, you know, her brother may come off as mean. You know, I probably came off to me and my brother. My brother came off mean to me. But it's not indefinite. And it's 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 not like, well, you know, it's not incredibly defining. You're going to find yeah, out later means- that things are different. But if you if you give this perspective to our kids nowadays, and that's how it's always going to be. That's defining and that's bad. You know, siblings, they fight all the time. It doesn't mean they don't love each other. It doesn't mean that, mm-hmm. you know, they hate each other. They fight all yeah. the time over dumb stuff. Exactly. And Well, I, and, I have nothing to say there. I was an only child, so I was gifted. I'm sorry about that. But go ahead, AJ. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, when she's, like, just fed up with all this stuff because they're telling her no for this and that and this and that. And sometimes as parents, we have to say no in situations and it's tough and it sucks and we want to give everything to our kids we can ever give but you got to draw the line sometimes the buck stops here and you know you have your reasons and you can be as upfront with them as you can you can choose to sugarcoat it whatever you have to do or a little uh, you know white lie whatever but we have our reasons as parents to draw the line and kids don't see the reason why we have to draw that line they won't see it like I didn't see it until I was way older 
And now she's going to try to get back at her parents and everybody else because she feels she's Which is horseshit. That's horseshit. They were looking out for you. No. They were looking out for you. They were looking out for you. Are you seriously going to put super glue in your dad's hat after you already bleached his hair? You bleached his hair. Maybe he doesn't want to bleach. Maybe Maybe he has an allergic reaction to the bleach, the peroxide, whatever. That's not good. Maybe, it's not good at all. Maybe she was that's hoping harmful. he did. That's, maybe she wanted him to assault. have the allergic reaction. Maybe that's what she was going for, and it just failed. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, if you're having that much of a hard time, maybe you just got to reach out. You know, like, just keep reaching out and keep reaching out. Like, we don't know how many times she reached out. There's probably a couple of times where she did not movie and they, like, shut her down. But, you know, just have, like, a real conversation or reach out to somebody else. You know, like, maybe reach out to the library and get somebody else involved and be like, hey, you know, maybe there is an issue that's going on here. And not take it under uh, your own actions to try to fix it in these ways that are just pure retaliation. And now you're messing with all these people's lives. And then when you go to school and you see just this mean principal doing this, doing that, this is also from the perspective of a child. No child likes detention. Maybe that room, the chokey, didn't actually look like that. Maybe it was just a normal detention room. That's what her mind altered it to be. This is from her right, perspective. Right, right. You act like you act like you're in 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 a juvenile correctional facility, which is where you probably belonged, for the good of everybody. Yeah, like, you know, maybe you were just in a room to just do your studying, do your homework, and just be by yourself and think to your th- you know think about what you've done think about how your actions are going to be and everywhere has detentions because you know some people mess up and some people need to know that there's consequences for things messing up and that's your time to reflect and go you know what i messed up and if you're going to sit there and look at it like oh it's this you know like ancient medieval torture tomb that you know you see one of those like mummy sarcophagus that opens and it has a spikes on one side that's what it looks like that's what it looks like to me and you know it's and being being so so young and so you know driven by that i was like whoa this is i had the whole thing wrong and then my last example she completely messes up the life of that principal completely messes it up she uses her psychic powers to completely destroy her life she broke into her house she made all these things go wrong she makes her think she's crazy there's ghosts around doing this stuff like how are you going to mess up somebody's life like that just because you have this view of them that's from pure a perspective evil. of absolutely child. pure evil when 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 it comes to matilda i good. never liked matilda i actually remember going to the movie theater and my mom was like let's go see matilda and i was like no i want to see something real i want to see something better and we go to see stupid matilda and i remember i stood up and i said bitch get your keys we're going to the car i'm done with this movie this movie's horse shit i would never treat you although i just called you a bitch i would never treat you the way that matilda treats those people. Well, you said it's it with ridiculous. respect. And see, she didn't do anything in this movie with respect at all. From from start to finish, None. everything was about None. getting revenge. It was about what she wanted. It was just a full 100%. movie of pure, selfish actions from the start to the finish. Everything was about what was best for Matilda. Nobody else. That's, mm-hmm. that's bullshit. It, dis- it, dis- bullshit. it disgusts me. That movie I'll disgusts me. Again. You, you know what else? You know what else disgusts me? What's that, George? My story. This takes place in the great state of O.H. I.O. That'd be Ohio. We're talking about Urbania, Ohio. We got two brothers. We got Danny O'Shea. And we got Kevin O'Shea. One cut from the golden cloth. That'd be Kevin. One cut from uh, an old rag that you'd wash your car with. That'd be Danny. And it's okay. 
everybody's got to be different. Not everybody can be a superstar. You know, Danny can't be upset that Kevin was a three-time state champ, that he was a collegiate All-American, and he brought the Heisman Trophy, the fucking Heisman Trophy, back to Urbany. Pure talent. And what did they do for it? Pure talent. What did they do for it? They put they put Kevin O'Shea, hometown, Urbania. Welcome to Urbania, hometown of the Heisman winner, Kevin O'Shea. What does Danny do? Danny shits on it because everybody's got to be selfish in this world. Everybody's got to look out for them. And it's okay. Sometimes you want to be a mechanic. Sometimes you want to be a football player. Sometimes you want to be an accountant or a lawyer. The world needs everybody to continue to move on and have harmony. But what happens? The great Kevin O'Shea, he puts together Pop Warner football team. Just purebred animals. Animals. Has a tryout. These kids have been looking for this their entire life. They came out of the womb. Their mama swaddled them, and they'd say, no, mama, I don't need a swaddle. I need a helmet, and I need football pads because I'm going to play for the great Coach O'Shea in the great state of O-H. I-O. Ohio. And we're going to make this. We're going to make this Pop Warner team something. They were built for it. Oh, All the kids on the team. My God. Were, were they built, built for it? And built we're not even talking about Spike yet. We're talking about the hometown boys that were homegrown, not kids that yeah. moved in. But what happens? No. What happens? Mm-hmm. He holds tryouts. All the kids that make it, they make it. I mean, you, you could make a yep. case for Hot Hands Hanan. Top tier speed. Had that Tyreek Hill speed. But he had hands of a left tackle. He just couldn't catch. And it's not his fault. Maybe he needs to get in track and field. Maybe football is not the place for him. Go into a sport where you don't use your hands. Go into a sport where you can dust kids with your wheels because that's what you're built to do. And then you got the big old lineman boy. He's got got girth. He's got size. But he also packs a lunch in his helmet. And And he was uncoordinated. uncoordinated. And the lunch, you know, he gets hit and people think he's bleeding. It's really a PB&J sandwich and Cheetos. And what kind of Cheetos were they? Were they hard? crunchy cheetos that a no. football player crunches on while he's gritting his teeth about to knock no. your fucking head off no they were cheeto puffs because he was a little puff cake and it's okay to be puff cakes i'm not saying it's a bad thing every kid's different so what happens kevin builds his lineup the mean the lean the fighting machine the urbania cowboys they're gonna move on and they're gonna play for their pop warner and they're gonna go find a, a pop warner championship but Danny can't have it. Danny's got to say, nope, Kevin, you've screwed me over for the last time. You screwed me over because I was a scrawny kid and I wasn't coordinated, and I'm blaming you. I'm not blaming my parents. I'm not blaming genetics. I'm not blaming the will of life that I was meant to be something else. I'm blaming you because you were something, and I couldn't be that something because I tried and I failed. It's okay to fail, kids. It's okay to do something else. But no, not to Danny. Danny's got to build his own team. And, and in fairness, his daughter Becky, Kevin's niece, the icebox, it's okay to be a girl and play football. I'll never say no to that. And maybe maybe Absolutely. Kevin made a mistake. The icebox was probably the best player on the field. But Kevin, Kevin let it get in his head. Kevin let it get in his head that girls don't belong playing football, which I don't agree with. So I think he did make a mistake there. See, I think, I actually think that it's the opposite of that. I think he was being overprotective. I don't think it was that girls couldn't play football. I think that was in, that was just a spin that everybody wanted to believe because at the time the movie came out, that was a big thing. I think that really it was him 
just being overprotective for his beautiful yeah. niece that he yeah. didn't want I didn't to think hurt. of it that way. Thank you. That's a that's a that's a solid point. Mm-hmm. He was looking out for his niece. He was afraid that maybe she'd get hurt and she and then and then somebody's gonna say, Well, why was a girl playing football? She didn't belong on the field with them boys. Them boys are animals. Bingo. And that's not fair. Maybe it didn't work out that way, but but I see what you're laying down there. So Danny comprises this team of degenerates and misfits, kind of like the Mighty Ducks. These kids don't want to play football. They want to be on a nope. team, but they don't want to contribute to the team. And that's the problem. If you're going to play a team sport, you have to be a contributor. They get the Asian kid that can barely kick a 15-inch bouncy ball. He can barely do that. You got the kid that packs his lunch. The one good thing is you had a kid that was pretty smart that could draw up some trick plays. Um which we'll get to those trick plays later. And then it seems like they can't get anything right. They got old stinky pads. They got they got the weird little they <laughs> got the wrap. weird little kid in the bubble wrap who doesn't want to play football, but his mom is insistent, making him be something he's not meant to be. Forcing him. Forcing him. Forcing forcing this kid who is maybe sixty pounds to play against these eighty, ninety pound kids. Yep. And then we get to the point where these two old gentlemen give both brothers a call to let them know there's a new kid in town just got into town 10 year old built like a linebacker from a you know a junior class in high school this kid's monstrous do i think that he was overage absolutely not he looked like a 10 year old he just he carried things around he did good right so danny o'shea goes over there and what's he do he lies to the dad and says yeah i'm the great coach o'shea he doesn't say that he's the heisman winner which I could blame the dad a little bit that if you're apparently that big of a sports fan, you tell me you didn't know what Kevin O'Shea exactly. looked like. I know what Kevin O'Shea looks like. In my nightmares, in my dreams, I could draw Kevin O'Shea. The man is a legend. Heisman Trophy winner, legend. So then, eventually, Spike's dad finds out. And rightfully so, he rips him. Kind of like the Adam Banks thing, but opposite. He rightfully rips him from these yeah. degenerate he writes kids the wrong. and puts him. He writes the wrong. He puts him on the Dallas Cowboy team, the little Urbania Cowboys, right? So now let's fast forward a little bit. They find a quarterback who's slinging toilet paper in a, in a grocery store, and he's got a good arm. There's no doubt about it. The question is, why wasn't he at the tryouts? Because he should have been on the little Cowboys team, not the little Giants team. Correct. So we fast forward. Becky comes to her senses and decides, you know what? My uncle's right. I shouldn't be playing football. I might get hurt. I'm going to be a cheerleader. But she doesn't tell her dad because her dad's going to blow a gasket because all he cares about is trying to oust his brother and all his accomplishments that his brother put in the hard work for while you were living at home doing your normal thing, which is okay, but you weren't Kevin O'Shea. So we fast forward to the championship game, not the championship game. This is a game to figure out which team is going to move on as Urbania's Pop Warner team. So let's let's continue to break this down. We got a face-off. Little Giants, Little Cowboys. It's a big game day. We come out. We get to the coin toss. And what happens? Kevin tries to say to Danny, in his right mind, says, hey, let's just stop this now. We don't need to continue. Your kids are going to get hurt. My kids are meant to play this game. Your kids are just fighting for their position, which is it's great. It's fantastic. But I don't want these kids to get hurt. I don't want it. To, I don't want my kids to have guilt on their conscience for hurting another little exactly. kid. Exactly. He doesn't want anybody and Danny's, going to the hospital. No, he, no. he doesn't want to ruin anybody's, mm-hmm. you know, life. Right. And what does Danny do? Danny, in all of his five foot three glory, I can sympathize. Danny, I'm five foot four and three quarters. Um, he sticks up and says, "You know what? I'll do you one better. We're gonna 
we're going to continue with this game and we're going to put down a side bet. Here's this guy gambling again on his kids. Yeah. Don't uh, what a joke. So, uh, selfish. so selfish. Like you're putting all these kids lives yeah. at risk For and what? also their jealousy. Like, it all comes down to why? jealousy. Absolute yeah. jealousy. So selfish. So the gamble he throws out there is I'll put my piddly wink oil change gas station that's like had two cars the entire movie come through it against your chevy dealership yeah. the chevy dealership this guy's driving a corvette brand new he's pumping money through millions. this town he's lifting this town up millions of dollars and we're talking mid 90s translate that to now we're talking like trillions of dollars right so this game starts off cowboys get the ball what do they do ram it right down the giant's yeah. throat as expected yeah. Touchdown, touchdown. Giants get the ball, can't figure out what's going on, fumble, Cowboys ball, Cowboys ram it right back down their throat, as expected. We, you know, Kevin tried to tell Danny what was going to happen, and Danny was just blind rage, couldn't figure it out. We all knew watching this movie, your kids are going to get destroyed. This isn't good. This isn't uplifting. What are you trying to teach kids? Be something you're not? So then we go into halftime. The Cowboys score again. The great Urbania Cowboys of O.H. I.O. There it is. little pause, but we got it, boys. Ohio, Urbania Cowboys. Going to halftime. Cowboys are up 21 nothing, as expected. I actually was expecting like 45 nothing, possibly. I couldn't believe, couldn't believe that they only got 21. They were just being nice, getting ready for their orange slices at halftime. So Kevin comes over again to tell Danny, let's call it. Let's, you know, let's squash it. You made your point. You proved your point. You came out here. You put a team together. Claps. Good job, boys. We did good, right? Danny, selfishly. No. No. We're coming back out, right? So we, they come back out, and uh, Giants get the ball first. What happens? The Giants get a yard. So far, we're at zero total yardage. One play. These kids go eight shit bananas the crowd goes wild it's one yard it's not like they're on the goal line it's one yard in their own territory have you guys been there before act like it clearly you haven't been there before like the cowboys have so then what happens what happens next play this junior fantastic quarterback who only got a yard and we're in the third quarter right now right only got a yard but he's a fantastic quarterback i'm sure he is he uh makes this play trick play going on gets a little reverse going on and uh he hits a kid, plays over, and Spike hits him after the play, after the whistle. Was Spike out of line? Yeah, he was out of line. And, of course, of course, the great coach, Kevin O'Shea, had none of it. He got right into Spike's dad's face and said, you listen here. Those antics don't belong on my football field. I'm not here to injure kids. And your kid pulls another stunt like that. I'm pulling him out of a game. What a fantastic coach. Damn right. Further solidifying how Kevin is a great human being. A great human being. Mm -hmm. Whereas what happens now, this kid, Junior, he's on the sidelines. He's ice packing his ribs. And, I mean, he got dinged up. It was a bad hit. It was a dirty hit. That's about all I can sympathize with the little giant so far is that it was a dirty hit. So here comes pom-pom Becky O'Shea, the ice box, right? She throws on her pads. She keeps her little cheerleader uniform on and she comes out there puts her little eye black under and she's she's rearing and ready to go and she's a fantastic football player she's a fantastic athlete tomboy girl i get it there's one problem i have are these refs out to get kevin o'shea 
because you have to you have to turn it in seemed- a lineup at the beginning of the game. And Danny knew that Becky was not playing, that she was cheerleading. So where the fuck did this girl come from? And why are the refs letting this exactly. happen? What a fucking joke. And at this point, it seems that it's clear that she has the same jealousy infused in her DNA Agreed. as her dad. Agree. At first, you thought Becky was a good kid and and she was just a great football player, but she realized, hey, I want to be a girl. I'm into this junior kid. I'm crushing on him, and he's into cheerleaders. So if I want to date and eventually – uh, you know, move on with my life. I, I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna do girl things, and football's not for me. Maybe football is for you. I'm not saying girls to not play football. Play football if you're hard enough. Play football if you're tough enough. Go for it. So, here we are. The Giants make a comeback. Cowboys have the ball, and they can get one yard to end this game. And all these kids say, "Don't worry about anybody else." Spike's getting the football. That's they ganged up on this kid. Play the game. Yeah. Play against your man. It's not 11 versus 1. It's 11 versus 11. Play the game the way you're supposed to. The Cowboys don't play that way. They know that Becky's going to get the ball, the icebox, but they don't gang up on Becky. They play. No, because no, they, they don't want to hurt game. her. They, these, these little giants tried to hurt Spike, a kid that's destined for the NFL. They tried to hurt him, take his life yeah. away. And so, you know, they know the plan. They stop it. Of course they do. Because it's just a good movie. <laughs> they stop the mm. little cowboys. And the little giants end up winning this game. And what absolute horseshit. The The team that had no business being on the field. It's okay that you want to play. They were down 21 nothing at half. They couldn't start winning until they got antics. Oh, and by the way, on the play where they win the game, huh, they use a trick play, and not just a—they they cheated. They cheated. They couldn't win with regular plays. The Cowboys, eye formation, we're going to run this ball down your throat. We're mid-'90s football. Yep. We're coming for you, baby. And th- the Giants couldn't take it. The Giants had to do the annexation of fucking Puerto Rico, or the fumble rooski, as you <laughs> like to call it, for the Raiders and the Vikings, Super Bowl Eleven, the great John Madden. I'm thinking on the bus ride when they went through and they met John Madden, that John Madden slipped him this play to try and plot against Kevin O'Shea, which I can't believe that the great John Madden would do such a thing to such a great sports figure. Hey, jealousy's oh, powerful. Is He's it probably ever. jealous. But the, the one good solution is after the game, the two brothers meet up, Kevin, the great Kevin O'Shea, and the little Danny O'Shea. They meet up, and Danny finally comes about his wits and says, you know what? Kevin, I'm not going to take your car dealership. In fact, the only thing I want is I want the town of Urbania to ta- change the water tower, and I want it to say the home of the O'Shea brothers. And Kevin had nothing that he could do. It was, I can say no, and now Danny owns my car dealership. I have to make a living. I have to provide for my family. I have to take care of my kids. Yep. I, don't know, I don't know if Danny's going to help me out if, if, I, if I don't do that. So Kevin has to wipe his own name of everything that he's done in his life to get his name on the water tower in the great city of Urbania, OH. I-O. And there you have it. The happily ever after happens and the brothers. You know the biggest thing I have that's just horrible about that movie is when they all take the Alka-Seltzer pills and they're all foaming at the mouth. How do you think those kids felt in that moment? They were probably scared. Like, oh my God, are you okay? They were probably scared. Are you dying? Are you dying here? What's yeah. what's going on? This isn't how we play the game. This isn't good. And then you find out you were tricked? 
that is just so they were probably looking, messed up to the do. The reason they got caught off guard is they were probably looking for a paramedic Evil. to come take care of these kids because maybe they got bit by a rabid dog. What a bullshit scheme to play against. Mm-hmm. Huh. What a joke. Well, boys, that was a uh, good uh, segment of Dad's Advocate where we like to uh, scheme the movies that we all know and love and twist the words. Whether we believe it or not, you may never know. You may never know if I'm full of shit or, you know, if the Mighty Ducks had it coming and, you know, Disney just ruined it for everybody. But um, let's look forward to uh, this next week in dad life. Uh, what do you got going on, Josh? Anything good? Uh, no, it's a full week worth of work and softball. Nothing exciting, actually. Just normal stuff for me. What do you got, AJ? Um, you know, I'm looking forward to keep walking. And, uh, you know, like pushing me farther and farther, not to the milestone of where I got to the seven miles. That was a, that was a pretty rough trip, but that was a bit much for the beginning. Definitely keeping on, keeping on pushing the three to four boundary. I believe I could do that. I got a good walk going on. I got some lovely trails. It's beautiful outside. And I think it's actually helping out with my, my lungs and my asthma a bit and getting that into shape and uh, getting over some pollen and other stuff that's outdoors being outdoors as much as I can and uh, and actually I'm I've went on a hike the other day up at Mount Charleston and man I've been missing out I haven't been up there in years I need to go out there and hike yeah. more and be in nature and be in the wilderness and take my kids and my wife and everybody and be like yo let's get away from our phones let's get away from everything there's no cell service out here it is us Let's look at the stars. Let's look at the trees. Absolutely. Let's look at nature. Let's get some bugs I in our it. face. Let's do this. Let's get some. Do let's it. get some mental health. Mm-hmm. And I got. Yeah. I got another quote for you guys. The other one earlier was a you know pick me up uh, feel good quote. This one's just a funny quote, but we're funny here over on this uh, stupid podcast that we run. And so I got a quote for you. And I realized I don't know who the fuck said this, but I got it. Instead of a sign that says "Do not disturb." I need one that says already disturbed. Proceed with caution. (laughs) (laughs) True. I love it. Very true. Well, boys, that was another uh, successful episode of Dads on Dayquil. We look forward to seeing everybody back next time we drop our fourth episode. This would be number three. So when we drop four, we look forward to hearing you guys. Give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Uh, You can email us at dadsondayquil at gmail.com. You can put in the in the subject line questions maybe you know email us some some questions that you have and maybe we can answer it put a twist on it make it fun reach out to our twitter it's at d dayquil on twitter uh josh you got the instagram handle what's that it's dad's on dayquil excellent aj uh not so much a reach out but you got some fun tiktok going on what do you got yeah dad's on dayquil d-a-d-s-o-n-d-a-y-q-u-i-l-l we got some fun videos coming up i got a bunch planned you know, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, you know, let's get that FAQ running. I love that idea. Let's go. Let's go. I want to know what everybody's thoughts are. Email us. That's, Reach out. That's right. So email again is dadsondayquil. That's D-A-D-S-O-N-D-A-Y-Q-U-I-L-L. Always two L's at the end of Dayquil. But D-A-D-S-O-N-D-A-Y-Q-U-I-L-L at gmail.com. It's been fun. We look forward to seeing you guys later. Peace out. Peace out. Hey, Jordan, so uh, 
<laughs> Forgot to tell you about this guy that started a nightclub for those people with the erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Dude, it was a total flop and nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Hell yeah, Ooh, boys. Hell yeah. <laughs>